I think that gives us an even greater purpose. You know, yes, we have vision and value in our sector, but looking more fundamentally at the challenges of us as citizens of the world sits very well with us on a personal level, irrespective of who pays the wage, uh, sits very, very well with our employees. And I, I think a sort of a force for change, a force for good. Hi, I'm Belden Mankis. Welcome to The Purposeful Strategist. The podcast that shifts the conversation about purpose and strategy from what organizations should do to what business leaders are doing and what they've learned along the way. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Scott Wardrop, CEO of Eurovia UK, a part of Fonchi, a world leader in concessions, construction, and energy, present in nearly 120 countries. Scott shares with us how they think about the sustainability of their UK business and how that links with their vision of local partnership. He talks about the tensions between top-down and bottom-up strategies that come with being part of a global group and describes how they harness internal ideas to allow them to play a pathfinder role for the whole sector. Uh, well, Scott, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you very much for joining us. Just to kind of get things rolling, I wonder if you could tell us a bit about yourself. And this is, I understand it, you're the chief exec of two organizations. Maybe you could describe both and then we could sort of focus in on one. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you for, for asking me to be part of this. My name is Scott Wardrop. I'm the chief executive of Eurovia UK. Um, and I'm recently also been made the chief executive of Vancey Construction in the UK as well. Uh, my background is is very much a civil engineer. I've been involved in construction, highways, and then all types of infrastructure from services, support, uh, and even material production, mainly to do with highways and aviation. And that's very much my background. I've been a, a chief executive since April 2007. I think I had just turned 41, quite a young chief exec. And as you can see today, I'm, I'm a not so young chief executive. <laughs> still young, still young. And since you've been at Eurovia uh, for a while, maybe we can focus in on that. Give us a sense of, you know, what's the organization's purpose? How did you go about developing it, identifying it, reinventing it, whatever? How did you go about that? Sure. It's a very good question. It's something that is, for me, always evolving. It's not something that you can fix or you can't fix it for too long. Uh, it's something you've got to revisit. Mm -hmm. And when I look back, I've always tried to put teams together and have a senior team that is quite varied in their outlook. I, I'm not somebody that likes uh, clones. Uh, I very much like uh, a team that has the dynamics to operate as a high-performing team, but have different backgrounds, different views. And that brings it to how you plan for the future. Uh, a little bit of background, Eurovia is I've very much made it so the three principal business groups, a contracting group, a service group, and then a production and materials group. But what we've tried to do with the leaders of those businesses and our executive committee is we have shared duties. Uh, so you have your classical shared service center, but the operational leads have certain duties in the shared service center uh, so that you don't have the, the three silo or the four silo culture. You know, we try and operate and cross cut. 
easy to say, not always easy to do uh, in, in terms of getting people to operate at both levels. In terms of looking at your marketplace, looking how it evolves and changes, you need to have an agility in your organization. You need to be quite well connected with your key clients. You need to be quite politically aware, economically aware. And I think if you chart back over the period where I talked about, I started as a, a young chief exec, within 12 months, uh, you had the, the banking crisis uh, and the massive downturn that occurred in 2009, 2010. And having all those challenges of Mm-hmm. how to organize and keep a business operating and finding a way through that. And then the, the, the legacy of austerity, which has had impacts, and I'm not being political about it at all. You have to react and you have to support different clients in different sectors and find the right way through for your organization. We always saw that the digitalization acceleration, and I know some people talk about the fourth industrial revolution, We saw that coming, but we weren't sure how it would affect our sector. We were aware of it. Gee, what what, what a start to this decade we've had. Uh, And and maybe the disruption was a different disruption than we we all uh, envisaged. But I think having that agility to come through, you know, the the economic downturn that there has been, the tale of austerity, uh, and finding ways to have an effective business understanding the environment that you work in is absolutely paramount. You, you, you need to be aware and you also need to be aware of disruption and try and anticipate it. Be one of those people that see it sooner than others. If it's technology, you're an early adopter. Uh, you don't let it happen to you. Nice to say, difficult to do. And we, we try and get that into our organization in terms of making our senior team and our organizations aware of what's coming. We have a a business plan that we refresh every two years, but it's a five-year business plan. Uh, We've instilled elements of bottom-up, and yes, there are elements that are top-down. I'm not somebody that says there's one way of doing it. I think actually you have to see what you get coming through your organization, the challenge, and you're also the certain things that you see, and you have to create that change within the organization You can't stand still in this day and age. The pace of technology, the pace of change, you see the the speed of change and digitalization that's affecting our sector, and it's just not stopping. Mm -hmm. Some have argued that organizations need to have some sense of a, a bigger, higher purpose, the way in which what they do fits into making the world a better place. And of course, at a micro level, that's got to be true. People wouldn't be giving you money unless they thought somehow what you were going to do was going to make things better. But I'm just wondering if you have any sense of that for Eurovia. I think that the whole environmental agenda um, actually sits very well with Eurovia and Vansi. The the whole organisation, at its heart, we are somebody that creates, supports, develops, maintains all types of infrastructure. And if you go to the wider Vansi, we're an investor, we're a concessionaire of grand infrastructure all over the world. And the whole purpose to create change in mobility at a fundamental level sits very well with our organization. Finding ways to be more environmentally understanding, 
knowing what you can do and how you can evolve and change. And moving, dare I say, from an organization that has been reactive to what's going on to being on the front foot and one of the leading organizations of change. And I know that might sound to a certain audience that's playing to a certain audience, but actually quite genuinely, the organization in invests in environmental change. We are an organization that self-performs. We invest in our own plant, equipment, or change, the acceleration in finding zero emissions in all what we do, knowing what our carbon footprint is genuinely at scope one, scope two, scope three, you know, what, what power we use, what we use in our vehicles and plant, what our materials, what our supply chain do. Uh, we have an understanding of that. And step by step, we can see routes to where we need to get to. You know, we, we've set our objective, yes, to be there by 2050. And there's some organizations that say they'll be there maybe one or two decades before that. As an organization that works in 127 countries in the world, I only have responsibility in the UK. It's a huge ask when you've got an organization that produces, that contracts, uh, that services to find those ways of, of finding better ways to deal with the environment. That focus actually gives us a focus because we are ultimately an infrastructure company in all shapes and forms. And infrastructure needs to evolve and change. Finding new forms of mobility is very exciting. And it's not just about having an electric something. It's the digitalization. It's the use of technology, the move to semi and then fully autonomous, the connectivity of people. People still will need to connect. They will still need to travel. We won't purely live in a digital world because we're human. But finding the, an acceptable way for that to coexist with our environment I think that gives us an even greater purpose. You know, yes, we have vision and value in our sector, but looking more fundamentally at the challenges of us as citizens of the world sits very well with us on a personal level, irrespective of who pays the wage, uh, sits very, very well with our employees. And I, I think a sort of a force for change, a force for good, there's a reality to that because we can see what we do. Uh, we actually deliver things and can see the pace of change. That makes it quite exciting. By our very nature, we, we, we're challenged to build things to, to a budget, to a program, to a quality level. We take on challenges. And actually, this is the biggest challenge for our generation and for generations to come. And we have to be successful in doing it. And I, I think that sits well with us, as I say, as individuals and in the company that we work. It's, it's really quite exciting. One thing I think I've heard is almost a sense that you see both yourself and the organization as kind of pathfinding to solutions that lots of people will need but that you, you, you're not content just to sit and let everybody else figure it out and then, okay, we'll do that too because it's the right thing to do, that there's a needing to discover it, to invent it. Definitely. In our own business, we have a, a lovely little tool called Eureka. So if people have good ideas, they can put those ideas in, they can share them with others and others can enrich those ideas and they ultimately can go into our, our network and be invested. And if the idea is really good, those people can be picked up and taken for a year in an incubator to get those ideas to a level that's scalable and deliverable. We had one very exciting idea in the UK where we wanted to be able to see 
underground services in the ground before we excavated. You know, we wanted to have a visibility of what's in the ground. One of the biggest risks we've got in any organization is when you go and excavate the ground, you hit the gas, you hit the electricity, you hit the utility, which obviously could be very dangerous for our people. It can cost a lot of money to fix. It can cause a lot of local problems with local residents or local companies because they have a, a service outage. And, and we wanted to have a way of taking service drawings and any previous known knowledge and having it in one place and having a tool, not just a, a traditional phone, but you can use a smart tool to see through and actually see as if it was invisible, like an X-ray machine you could see. And believe it or not, we've managed to bring technology together from different places in different ways, and we've got Avus that we've developed. And that is now something that utility companies are buying as a software service and a way of bringing that together. That gives you an idea of that sort of rich innovation. And it's probably utility companies that are using it more than us as a constructor. And there are other constructors in the UK and in France and Germany that are using that tool to help them to be safer, mm. but also a way of capturing that information because you use digital photographs it positions those assets in three dimensions, captures it for the future, for somebody else that comes maybe two, three, five years later. Um, so it's, it's a way of, you've probably heard of the term, the digital twin, where you've got the, the model digitally of what is physically there. And this is a way of making it real and putting it in the hand in an app, in a, in a, in a smartphone. And, and that, that lovely idea came from an idea from the field in the UK. It was put forward as an idea. They did the pitch, they got support, they got investment, and it's now a, a specialist business unit in our group. It's moved out of the UK into Europe. And I'm obviously giving you our best example of that, but it, it shows you that desire for change and to be leading Sure. rather than following. And, and uh, I, I think that is, is so important for our people to see that they can come up with these ideas, they can get it developed, they can get support, they can get investment and training and, and carry on to something that's really quite exciting for them. From what you've been saying, I get the sense that you're running a part of this much bigger organization and that the purpose that you've been talking about isn't, it's not just for your bit of the organization. It kind of permeates the whole place. I'm just wondering how that feels to you. Is that like, wow, this is really fabulous because it's not just me and my band, but we're part of this enormous organization. Or is it, ooh, actually sometimes I'd kind of like to just spend a bit more time thinking about what the purpose of my particular part ought to be. It's a great question because, you know, I've been in a previous organization where it was totally top down. There was one way and you either fitted in or you didn't. We try to strike that balance. And I know from a personal point of view, you know, we have a business plan for our business with our vision, our values and where we sit. And one of the key things we want to be is a, is a local partner. Uh, with, a, with be it with local authorities, with strategic authorities, with different departments. We want to be a local partner and partner in the richest sense of that word. Through good times and bad, you understand each other, you build a trust, a respect. And that is so, so important at an individual level and at a company level. And yes, we are part of a much larger organization across the world. 
but the organization works in a genuinely decentralized way, which can be quite unusual. On a personal level, as a young guy, I always wanted to have my own business. And for a variety of family reasons and such like, that never happened. But I feel that I've got the closest to doing that in an organization that works across the world. And, and I think that's quite an unusual corporate culture. We've managed to grow our company, but the thing I'm measured with is the sustainability, the profitability, and the debt. I, I'm actually not measured by the size of the company. And unfortunately, one of the nasty things in the UK, a lot of corporate businesses think that size is all that matters. In our organization, I'm actually not asked about the turnover of our company. It's about the sustainability. And sustainability is long-term pipeline, profitable, ethically compliant, the right economic model, the right social economic model for our company for a sustainable future. That's what I'm measured by and the net indebtedness in the company, the safety in the company, the safety statistics of our people. That's not a new thing. You know, that, that culture in our DNA has been there for quite some time and it's instilled in us. And I, I do see some of the other companies that are competitors, you know, they kind of measure themselves. And I always think it's a, a male thing in the UK about, you know, the size of your business. Actually, um, that's a secondary thing. And, and I, I, it sits very well with me on a personal level. I, th I think you, you, you need to have a good, sustainable business first and foremost. It's not about size. Yeah, so. You use this phrase, local partner. Um, has that been a part of the way the business thinks about what it's trying to do for a long time, or is that something that's developed maybe in the last few years? It, it, it's something that's come to the fore more, but it's something that we've always tried to be. You know, we, we've tried to have strong key customers, key clients. Um, we've tried to understand them better, and also that they understand us better and work closer. We've all probably gone through the times when people used to sign a partnering agreement and you'd stick it in a frame on the wall and you'd feel good that you'd stuck something in the wall. But like everything in life, it's all about relationships. It's about the bonds and what you do every day. And sometimes when you have the difficult times together, how you cope with those together actually means the good times are even stronger. Uh, just like the marriage that you have with your partner, it emanates into to business and forming those relationships. And I think the power of the local partner has, yes, come to the, to, to the term that we now use and developing sustainable solutions and working with clients and looking at digital solutions sits all about developing that local relationship and that partnership and finding those long-term relationships. It's somewhat implicit rather than explicit. It's more, rather than we're all going to go in a conference room and we're going to come out with a new thing to say and our new purpose is this, that it evolves through conversations and decisions and discussions and interactions. And so it's almost difficult to go, that's the moment. That's, that's how we came up with that. Is, I mean, is that a fair picture of it? I think it's fair. If you go back to the values we have in our business, they came from our workforce way back in 2003, 2004. And they've been enduring values, the versatility, the openness, the integrity, uh, and that resilience have been key 
to us enduring as an organization. Uh, and I think that the lovely thing is it comes from our people. It isn't, please take this the right way, a management guru that's come in. It isn't the great and the good that's sat in a boardroom. It's come from within the organization. And although sometimes you may tweak how you explain what those are, uh, because you know things do evolve, but the actual words are what all of us want to have in an organization. And so those have been very enduring. How you apply that in the organization is something that does evolve. And you're right to say it evolves in different directions and in different platforms with the business. And you do try and make it your DNA. The best way is to instill that in your management structure that they feel that's how we operate. And so, yes, you have policies. Yes, you have procedures. We have integrated management systems and we get people to connect and refresh them. But you really want people to feel that they have some local autonomy, but there is a DNA in the organization. And I, I think that's so, so important. And that can't be something that chops and changes uh, with the latest in thing, because we are about long-term relationships. We're about being that partner. And, and we're not an organization that's here today, gone tomorrow. We, you know, we, we want to be that enduring partner um, and long-term partner. And the more long-term we are, the better we understand and we can evolve in the right way as an organization. And I think when you're involved in infrastructure, you can't really effectively be a short-term partner. If you think about the journey you've been on since you became the chief exec at Eurovia, what in there might you say you were particularly proud of? I think it's finding the right teams and also evolving the teams and sometimes having to change the teams. And that's not always easy to do, but trying to find the right organization and being willing to challenge that organization because you can't stand still. So yes, there are people in our organization, long-term people, a lot of long-term people, but our, our roles and what we do evolves and changes over time. Finding the linkage between our organization and what we want to do as a business and you know, having very clear uh, business results, achieving our business results, operating as a team. Um, I, I'm, I'm lucky to have the teams that we've found uh, and the teams that we've developed and the teams that we've evolved with our organization because they've allowed us to be successful. And and I go back, I've, I've used this term a few times, I think, when we've been talking, but you know, you know who you are and the team you have got when you're having to pull together to achieve something or deal with some of those difficult situations we've had to deal with. You know, we, we've had uh, contracts where We've been supporting uh, Transport for London during the bombings in London, and we've had to help close roads and work in terrible times. We work for Highways England, recently renamed uh, National Highways, and, and we've had to deal with some of the, the worst weather conditions and some of the horrific vehicle crashes and, and how you support your people and, and deal with those types of situations. 
We've had great success in, in winning different contracts and, and making them go live and making them successful and, and also dealing with some of the problems that we've had, you know, because not everything in life is great and is fantastic. We've had some contracts that maybe in hindsight, we and the respective client didn't get off on the right foot and we thought we were doing one thing and they thought we were doing something else. And then you've got to find that ground to find a new way forward. I also like to think you find the right way to manage at the right level in the organization uh, and, and knowing where your roles and responsibilities are and, and having clarity uh, in that is, is very important. Um, having a degree of autonomy as a leader, but also having the right governance in the organization. That's a difficult balance, actually, because the nice words, again, local autonomy, but you're part of an organization. You have to have governance levels. Um, and finding the right level of governance. And again, that's always a tension point in any organization. But knowing what you've programmed, you've planned, knowing what you've got to go and deliver, a clarity in, in how you're measured and the objectives, and we have that in, a, in our organization. And I suppose uh, when I took over the organization, we were probably an organization that weren't fully trusted by our shareholder. And building that degree of trust to the point where uh, Eurovia were supportive to invest in the UK. Uh, and and we, have a, we have a very significant capital investment program every year. You know, we buy new plant, new equipment, new IT systems, training development. You know, we, we, we buy new uh, asphalt plants and a willingness to look at certain maybe investment opportunities, uh, external growth. We've moved from being a country in, in Eurovia that probably was at a second tier. And on a personal level, I never like to think our country's at a second tier where we've now got the trust and respect because of what we've delivered and what we've done and how we operate, that we are trusted and, and we're viewed at a top level where our shareholder is willing to invest more than just replacement, but in new areas of new technologies, uh, new equipment. And we've managed to do that through the big challenge points of the, the downturn, the banking crisis, the tale of austerity, and in recent times in COVID. Uh, you know, so, so some of our business wasn't able to go home in the last week in March. Part of our business was classed as uh, key worker status, that had to operate 24-7 throughout the first lockdown. And very quickly, uh, within a matter of weeks, most of our contracting business was classified as national infrastructure. And that's been really tough for us as an organization, but it shows the depth and the spirit in the company to get through that time. Because you've got those teams, because you've got those organization and those trusting relationships, we were able to operate. That's been hugely challenging for us in 2020, but we were able to keep most of our business up through that time when many, many other organizations weren't able to do that. What would you say you've learned along the way in that journey? What, how are you different than when you started? You've got some good questions today. Um, I suppose uh, when I look back over the time, um, it's about finding those people and trying to get the best from people and, and operating as an effective team and finding out that those 
relationships are not always the same. I, I go back to that point. Uh, the last thing you want, well, the last thing I wish in an organization is clones. I, I know some people operate, they like people that are, are very hierarchical and and uh, I, I don't really like that. I, I've got a fancy job title, but you know I've got quite humble background and I've, I've operated in many parts of the company. I'm very proud but in a humble way of what we've achieved and what we do uh, as, as, as an organization. You know, I, I, I look all the way back um, and it's quite interesting in these times, uh, but if I hadn't got a grant uh, to be able to go to university from the government at the time, and I got a full grant because of the circumstances of, of my family, you know, I wouldn't be here today. And, and so I look that, you know, somebody has, has bet on me uh, at, at that time and I've always had a fear of, uh, of failure for my family because of maybe what happened to my family um, and that's been enduring and burning in me I've never wanted to to, to fail my family mm -hmm. and, and so I think that takes you through life uh, that doesn't mean that I'm frightened about risk but it's how you manage it it's how you mitigate that mm. it's mm. very very important to be risk aware and and how how you how you get through that so that that point about assessing risk and trying to see it and trying to anticipate and trying to manage it i have a shareholder i i do not keep them at arm's length if i'm worried about something i'll talk to them uh, if they're worried about something, they'll talk to me. I like people to be open. It's better to know about a problem sooner that you can manage it than, than having a problem later that becomes a nightmare. And we've, we've all seen that. You can't forget your roots. You, you, you must stay connected. And, and you must also put yourselves in those people, what they did and how they operate. Because... You've done that, and although the conditions have changed now, because the world moves on, um, you've also got to remember what you would or wouldn't have done in their position. And I think it's so, so important to remember your roots. And you know, we put people to work, and how you look after people, because, yeah, I've got a nice job title, but people out there every day, and it, was, it brought it home to me, uh, particularly through COVID, you know, we had people on the front line and you know, the fear they must have had, particularly uh, that uh, last week of March, first two weeks of April, and they had to go day or night, and they might have been jumping in a, a winter maintenance vehicle or incident response to keep highways clear, to allow emergency services to operate, and critical food deliveries to get through. I'm just full of admiration of what our people have done. It's remembering to be humble. It's so important. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's fantastic. Um, the only last question I've got is whether there's a question that I haven't asked you that you wish I did. I, I think I can say this as a male. Um, there is quite genuinely too much testosterone uh, still, particularly in our sector. It is still heavily male-dominated. I have a great desire to see a continuing acceleration of change and digitalization because I think it will bring new skills to our sector. You know, digital skills, ways of using data to anticipate things. And I think that will bring more diversity in, in our workforce and make it a more ex exciting place to be. And uh, I suppose the only other point really 
is trying to make my sector something that's more appealing to the young because one of the biggest issues we have is attracting those boys and girls, probably 10, 11, 12, that probably see infrastructure, roads, buildings, whatever, as not an exciting place to be. And finding that way to inspire them to come and enrich our sector, because we've got an amazing sector, but we are really bad at portraying it. And probably the worst in our sector gets portrayed. And maybe we appear too close to change. I'm very glad to see the evolution and change in diversity in, 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 our, in the culture of our companies. But there's more to do to get a much more diverse culture. We have to change faster than we currently are. Well, that was really both, for me, inspirational and educational. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. No, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Purposeful Strategist. Please email any questions or suggestions to belden at mancus.com. In addition to being available on our website, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. If you enjoyed this episode, we release a new episode weekly. Don't forget to subscribe. Thanks again, and join us soon for the next episode of The Purposeful Strategist.